Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode 39 of Tuesdays with Perry. We missed him last week, um, but we're going to try to get him on the line tonight and see if he doesn't want to talk about uh, the dismissal of Tucker Carlson. We have a lot to talk about there. I'm going to be quoting a article from David Korn and Mother Jones, but we're also going to talk a little bit about his governor in Florida, Ron DeSantis, and his bid for presidency and how that continually looks like a long shot that um, I guess Trump has widened his lead over DeSantis by 37 points. So let's see if we can't get Perry on the line. Hey, Perry, how's it going? Pretty good, Rudy. How are you doing tonight? It's doing okay. Um, we're going to do try to get a quick episode in, and I want to talk to you a little bit about, we're going to dispense with the pleasantries about weather in Florida, and we're going to get right into it. I'm uh, going to talk a little bit about Tucker Carlson's departure from Fox News and about your uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. The Hill is reporting... Um, that Trump widens his lead over DeSantis by 37 points in a new poll. And um, his proposed candidacy seems a little wobbly, as stated in the other press. Um, So uh, let's talk a little bit about your governor, if you don't mind, first off, about his candidacy for president. And what do you think about his, um, cause he came out today also saying that there should be a ceasefire in Ukraine. So he seems to be backtracking on his biggest gaffe, um, his support for ouster of uh, the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Um, so why don't we start there with your governor, uh, Ron DeSantis? What do you make of his proposed candidacy and, uh, what do you attribute uh, his fall uh, quite far behind Trump now? Well, <clears throat> one thing I've never liked about politicians is when they start to become wishy-washy. If you're going to take a position, stick with it. Take the, the slings and arrows if you have to. Defend your argument. I honestly believe that his handlers, and let's face it, every single politician has one. Even Trump does. And Trump said one of the biggest mistakes he made in his first term was listening to too many talking heads within his transition uh, group. And that's one of the reasons why he had to have Mike Pompeo come in and clean up the mess that was left for him by Mr. Exxon himself. Um, I see a little bit of that mistake with my, my, uh, my governor when it came to his prior, um, I don't want to call it a blunder. I don't think it was um, his prior statement. I don't think it was really something he felt in his bones. I think it's something that he came to. (laughs) (laughs) 
okay, <laughs> the next thing that's supposed to be is, your time is up. <laughs> that was a miscue on my part. No, please go on. I'm sorry. I was trying to adjust your volume here, and I, I, no hit, my air, I hit my air horn. <laughs> kind of sounded like the game in Madison Square Garden last night. My yeah. Rangers started to choke again. Anyway. Speaking of choking, um, back to your, uh, your governor. Yeah. So, so as far as, as, as his first statement with regard to Pootie Poot, um, I don't want to say people put words in his mouth, but I think he, he listened to the wrong people. I think he listened to the Condoleezza Rices of, of uh, our party. And um, I think the real Ron DeSantis, is uh is showing his his view of the war in in ukraine right now by saying um you know what there should be a ceasefire um you believe he's ready to be president though for sure oh i definitely think he's ready to be president i just don't want him to be president yet i want him to be vice president yeah i told you (laughs) I want Trump DeSantis. Yeah. I want Trump to get eight years because yeah. there'll be two consecutive terms, and I hope he challenges that. Yeah. And I want another eight years of DeSantis. And yeah. by then, we'll have a big enough bench 16 years from now. Yeah. Seven, well, you want to include 2023, 17 years from now. We'll have the right younger uh, leaders to step up and, and fill in for for, for, for uh DeSantis after he's term limited out at eight years. Mm. So, um, no, I, I've always said that I want Trump, um, and I want DeSantis to be the mm. VP. Yeah, he needs a very successful, very popular governor, just like Mike Pence was. Um, and I think, at, you know, when 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 they were a team. Three years ago, I didn't think there could be a better vice president than Pence. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure um, because I, I've seen DeSantis um, up close and personally now uh, for five years, and he's only gotten better as a governor. Right. Only gotten better. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, the perfect opportunity for him to be ready even more so is in nine years Yeah, because he will have served under one of the most successful presidents in our, in the history of our great country. Yeah. And I think that's his surest path to the white house is uh, being on a Trump ticket um, Mm -hmm. and then being a continuation of Trump policies. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. If he's striking out on his own and he, he sees it in the polls, the more he takes jabs at Trump, the more his uh, numbers go down. Before we get off politics, and you could comment a little bit more on DeSantis if you want, but I also want a quick comment on um, Susan Rice stepping down, what that means, and um, Biden's announcement uh, that he is going to seek <laughs> another term. I'm so, I'm already saying a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris for president, um, <laughs> hoping hoping that ensures his uh, defeat. So, if you don't mind, uh, just a quick comment on Susan Rice and and Joe Biden. Well, I could tell you one thing about her stepping down 
one one thing that I'm sorry, you got to bear with me today. Um, one thing I can assure you is not the reason for her stepping down is she's not going to be announcing her candidacy for president of the United States. Right. That I can assure you. Yeah. Um, I can also assure you that her son won't be voting for her if she does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think where she lands is going to be indicative of where the Democratic Party is putting their eggs. Um, oh, what about Joe Biden? Um, you think he'll uh, get out of his basement this time to campaign, or <laughs> maybe um, he'll campaign only at Jeep dealerships? <laughs> Or American Harvester. Yeah. Um, well, one last thing on, on, on Susan Rice. I think, in all sincerity, it could be one of the reasons she's stepping down is somebody has to be a fall guy for the consistent and constant failures in foreign policy. And I think that she is being tagged with is the cause of his blunders on, on the world stage. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, like I said, could I swear to it? No, but it looks yeah. kind of obvious. Anyway, um, I think I think as, she's yeah. I think she's running the administration, especially after Ron well, Klain left. <clears throat> well, you know, we know that Joe Biden is nothing more than a huckster. He'll do and say whatever he has to to get whatever it is he wants at the expense of anyone who gets in his way. Right. So, um, yeah, it's easy, it's easy to see that, look, somebody's got to take, take the blame. So, all right, we're going to let you, you know, step aside. We're not going to point fingers at you, at least not publicly. Now get the hell out of here. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that could be the reason why she's stepping down. As for our fearless leader, from Fear, Natasha. Fear, fearful leader. <laughs> um, I don't see why he has to come out of his basement. He was able to steal one election by staying in his basement. Mm. Uh, dead man walking up there in Pennsylvania yeah. was able to steal election, an election by staying in his basement, although yeah. I don't think he could... He could find his way out of the basement. And so Katie and Katie why. Hobbs did it in Arizona. Right. So why do they have to campaign? Yeah. They don't have to. Well, we have I I've said this since Bush Sr. ran against BJ Clinton in ninety two. You guys may not remember this, but I'm gonna refresh your memory. There were two characters dressed up in costumes. Um, at the very beginning of the last, you know, after the nominating process, the last eight weeks going into the final stretch, the Clinton administration used two characters. They used a guy in a chicken suit because Daddy Bush didn't want to have any more, any, I think he only wanted two debates. And, you know, let's face it, Bill Clinton thought he was the second coming of JFK. He wanted to right. be in front of the camera as much as possible. And so his campaign sent somebody in a chicken suit <laughs> running around, and the media picked up on it. Everywhere Daddy Bush went was the chicken suit. Right. And 
it was all about him being a chicken George. No offense to Alex Haley, but he was called chicken George because he didn't want to debate, or at least not as much as Slick Willie did. Right. And then after that ran, they sent out this guy dressed in a in a spent cigarette with the with the butt broken in half. <laughs> I remember that, <laughs> right. I'm glad you remember that. And they called him Butt Man. Yeah. And why did they do that? Because the Republicans were getting a lot of money from the tobacco company. Yeah. And they were trying to hang that noose around uh G W G H W's GHWB's head yeah. or his neck. Yeah. And so they called him Buttman, and it was to, to let everyone know that the Republicans take money from the tobacco companies. Anyway, my point being is these, these tools of the political trade were very effective because the media made a point to bring it up. And even if they didn't, it, they were seen on camera, and that's the key. Yep. My argument is, why the hell aren't we doing that to the Democrats? Why aren't we sending a guy out in a chicken suit and calling him a chicken because he doesn't want to debate? Why aren't we? I mean, obviously, we're not going to do that now. But my point is, why aren't we putting those tools to work? We haven't done it. We've yeah. had 30 years opportunity to start employing the same guerrilla war tactics that our opponents use. You know, I've said repeatedly whether it's in a hot war or political war, the the aggressor sets the rule. Yeah. You gotta be and as vicious, so, yeah. And that's why Trump won not one, but two presidential elections. Right. It's just that we have cowards, including Mike Pence, who aren't willing to stand and fight. Right. And and so having said all that no, I don't think I don't think uh, the the feeble old man will come out of his basement this time because we've seen it too many times before, yeah. in, not limited limited to, but including the 2020 presidential uh, race. That no, they see it's not necessary to have to debate because yeah. nobody in the in the media now that Tucker Carlson's gone is going to call him out on. Yeah. You know, you know so, what? The, yeah, you know what that reminds me of. Did you see Apocalypse Now? The Marlon Brando, uh, mm-hmm. um, his monologue there, where he talks about the sheer will, uh, where the Viet Cong came and hacked off every inoculated arm, and he said the sure will. He goes, it hit me like a diamond in in the in the brain. The sheer mm-hmm. will to do that you know, to your own Mm -hmm. people. Um, And that just, it just reminded me of that monologue um, to when you're in battle, the sure will to be vicious um, has to be met uh, with equal viciousness. So let's, um, let's move on to uh, the news of the day, Tucker Carlson. And I'm just going to give you my quick take. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this mother Jones article from today by David Korn. But if people didn't know, I'm sure everybody knows by now, Tucker Carlson was fired. It wasn't a parting of ways. He was fired without cause from Fox News. Um, My take on it is it is corporate censorship. The same thing with Dan Bongino, although Dan Bongino didn't have the numbers that Tucker had. Tucker um, was the most popular 
popular talk show host, um, cable news program in the world, arguably, um, and he was uh, fashioning his uh, coverage on a populist, I'm going to put it out there, populist theories about certain causality of news events and which most of us share and most thinking people share, most critical thinkers share, and that's why he was so successful, is that he was willing to posit questions that others on mainstream news weren't allowed to do or didn't have the guts to do. So he certainly posited those questions. The answers are really immaterial. It was the questions that are always important. Are you willing to ask those questions? My take on it is, is that uh, the deep state, uh, the powers that be have had enough and they negotiated with Rupert Murdoch to get rid of Tucker Carlson. I think it had little to do with the Dominion lawsuit. Um, I think all the anchors on Fox were warned and Tucker Carlson refused to heed his, and I believe it was in his contract that he was given a very long leash on purpose, and that's the way he wanted to do his show, and that's why it was so successful. Um, but I believe that they, uh, this was an effort, not any different than shadow banning people on social media or on Twitter, uh, the, of, of corporations, and as Ned Beatty said in Network, uh, a college of corporations um, getting together and deciding that his voice is just too dangerous to be heard anymore and let him go under a variety of different guises. I mean, there's all sorts of, oh, he was being sued. Oh, he was a, he was a anti-Semitic or he was, you know, he was uh, spurring on violence. He had violent rhetoric, uh, like AOC said. I mean, they're throwing out every vector. No, that ain't the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're throwing out every vector. So every knucklehead who watches MSNBC or has CNN in the background will pick up one of these and go, oh, he was fired because of X. Oh, it's about time. And then you have people cheering the firing of someone um, as, as it's their mortal ideological enemy. And you know most of these people didn't even watch Tucker Carlson. So uh, David Korn uh, from Mother Jones penned an article, which I'm not going to go into the article. But it goes into the history of Tucker Carlson, which I hope a lot of you are familiar with. Maybe you're not that the, he started at the uh, conservative weekly standard and went on talk magazine and he was writing and then hosting different programs on CNN and MSNBC. And then he was being shaped and David Korn goes on to say that, Oh, he was, you know, kissing up to the Republican and becoming a right wing, but he didn't want to be called a wing nut. And even um, David Korn said he was a, uh, he was a good journalist for, um, asking uh, the nastiness in his journalism and, and insisted he wasn't a partisan hack, but he was asking the tough questions. Um, and then he goes on to his, you know, his, his uh, uh, stint on Crossfire. And he said he sparred with uh, Crossfire and then he went to MSNBC and PBS. And two days, <laughs> two decades later, I wonder if it was all a farce. And this is his contention is that, Tucker Carlson was faking it or is faking it now when he's talking about some of these populist 
ideas behind causality and certain news events and what's happening. And so he's basically calling Tucker Carlson a fake. And I'm just going to go to the very end here, uh, the last paragraph. As I write, we don't yet know the details of what led Fox to toss cash cow Carlson to the curb. But one thing is certain, it wasn't for his perversion or poisoning of the national political discourse. That was the raison d'etat, uh, d'etatre at Fox. He was no truth teller. He was a pro-MAGA for mega-profit propagandist. Carlson's personal journey is a tale of Trump era, like, like the GOP. He was already on the path to right-wing demagoguery before Trump oozed down that escalator. As those dark political winds grew stronger, he eagerly raised the sails and exploited the Trumpification of the Republican Party and the conservative movement by ending up at Fox Castoff, whose phoniness had been thoroughly exposed. Carlson has finally provided something of a public service. He has both embezzled and revealed the fundamental truth of the network. We distort and we divide. No journalist could have done that better. Um, and my problem with this is he is almost cheerleading Tucker Carlson when Tucker Carlson was severely misinformed when he was sporting his bow tie and um, uh, calling certain people certain names uh, and being traitorous to the country um, even as, as early as, well, I'm not going to go into that whole thing, but um, we know the the... Uh, trajectory of Tucker Carlson. And to be honest with you, when he appeared, and he did appear on the Alex Jones show, and he got schooled about 9-11, that's when his whole thing changed. Is it an act? I don't know Tucker Carlson personally, but after I saw his speech at, um, at the Heritage Foundation, he seemed to be all in on faith and truth. And I'm not going to go any further than that. If people want to check it out, they should see that speech that he did on Friday night before his firing at the Heritage Foundation, which I think that had something to do with it too. Um, they wanted to shut him up. Um, that's my take on it. So what you say, Perry? Well, I don't want to say I disagree with you. You so may. You may. It's, a, it's all right. I'm, I'm here for debate. <laughs> I just won't say that I do. I'm not saying that you're right. There's a different way to go about this. Um, I don't think it was a question of corporatism. I, uh, well, in a way it was, but not, not in the way you, you're, you're stating it, Ruby. Um, you, you have most of it, in my opinion, spot on. It is the deep state. It is the dark powers of our overburdensome, not just burdensome, but overburdened, overlord burdensome federal government that um, is in control. It's not the people who are elected to office. It's the unelected. It's the people that are running um, uh, Biden's mouth for him. He doesn't even know what he's saying anymore. It's the people behind the scenes. It's it's the dark forces within the FBI. It, it goes on and on, and you can throw the CIA and NSA into that as well. It, now it's permeated even our military. So these people feel threatened 
by the truth coming out, whether it's from the left or the right. I mean, you know, the left is that broken clock. They might be right twice a day, maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, there are, I'll give you a perfect example of people on the left that are right. Well, let me, that doesn't make sense. People on the left that are correct about COVID. They agree with me. I don't agree with them. Robert F. Kennedy agrees with me about the origins and the worthless non-vaccine that has been jabbed into the arms of billions of people around the world to much, much fanfare only to find out, if anything, it's causing the deaths of thousands of people around the world, many of which are world-class athletes in the peak of their lives. And so even liberals are right once in a while. But the point I'm trying to connect here between um, the Murdoch boys, meaning not Rupert, Rupert's too old to be involved in the daily operations of his incredible worldwide um, um, corporations. He owns several. His sons are running it. And they are not like the old man. They they are simply there worried about the bottom line. And it is not easy for Fox to find advertisers. And we could go into depth about that some other time, but a lot of it has to do with social media and and the falsehoods perpetrated on the American people by um, social media and the multitudes of channels, and I call them channels, I don't call them outlets, um, that do this on a daily basis convince advertisers to advertise or spend money in advertising here, not there. Why do you think CNN is still around. CNN is making billions. How is that possible when nobody watches them? (laughs) Sponsored by Pfizer. (laughs) Well, that's one, yes. But you also have morons like this twit who thought it would be brilliant for Anheuser-Busch Corporation to change the manly image of Bud Light and put a, a young man who is masquerading around as a woman and make that poor, troubled soul their spokesperson. And she was proud of it. Now, of course, that woman at this very moment is on paid leave. Mm. Hmm. Wonder why. My point being is this is what the Murdoch boys were afraid of. They have a hard time making those billions because they have a hard time getting sponsors to watch the top-rated shows on cable TV, and in many cases, even broadcast TV. And so I think it was a bottom-line move, and also maybe there was a threat made to them on their lives. I'm sure. I mean, there are dark forces in our government they will do those things. Yeah. All you have to do is look at all the dead bodies around the Clintons. Yeah. <laughs> all you have to do. The Clinton body count? So, That's a conspiracy theory. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I got a bridge to sell you. Yeah. <laughs> Ask uh, Vince Foster. <laughs> well, wait a minute. How about Jim McDougal? Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, sure. So, I mean, we, we can go way back if we want to. My point. Or Seth Rich. It still comes. Right. Or Seth Rich. Now, that that was such a sad story. Yeah. Because here was a very young man who happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the dragon lady didn't want him around anymore. Well, he so. it was very, it, according to Julian Assange, it, it seems very plausible that um, Seth Rich was the originator of the... Um, the leak, uh, the Podesta leaks. So, and, and, it's, it, yeah, it's and, and, and William Binney did a, a test on the hard, on the, um, on the file. And it seemed like it was a local, uh, transfer, which means it was copied to a thumb drive, mm-hmm. um, before mm-hmm. uploaded to WikiLeaks. So mm-hmm. that puts him in the DNC offices with, um, access to, Podesta's emails, and he obviously could have had a thumb drive, and he was upset over the DNC screwing over of Bernie Sanders, which right. And you don't know about this. Here's another uh, Clinton body count. Uh, Sean Lucas, who was the one who filed the lawsuit against the DNC, and he died mysteriously a day after he filed the lawsuit, uh, alleging that the DNC. Um, screwed uh, Bernie Sanders out of the nomination. So there's there's <laughs> plenty to go on. So I'm sure the uh, the Murdochs they have plenty of security, and it might not be the federal government or the the deep state uh, bureaucrats in the federal government. You know, corporations have intelligence agencies also, and they have fix right. yeah they have fixers. Did you ever see uh, Michael Clayton the movie? Um, That's right. Right. So they don't. You know that was um, a blue print for murder right there where they uh, zap you with a cattle prod and then uh, throw a couple pills in your mouth and then inject your toenail full of barbiturates or whatever. And then, oh, we don't know. He just overdosed. He must have committed suicide. Um, you know, it's uh, to get suicided. So, I mean, it's it's very plausible that they could have been threatened. Um, but I think it's uh, that we're definitely under attack and uh, – Tucker Carlson's firing was, is just, he is a bit of a victim here in this onslaught um, from the purveyors of a one-party uh, political state in the United States that don't want mm-hmm. uh, don't want conservatism to go on, especially any meaningful conservative. If it's a uniparty part, if it's part of the uniparty, it's well accepted like David Korn alluded to, but as soon as you go off the reservation, uh, dissent won't be tolerated. And those are the s- types of things that Tucker was talking about. Uh, dissent, uh, as RFK Jr. is talking about. Um, and that's what I believe is part of shutting down dissent because, <laughs> like Mother Jones says, <laughs> smart, fearless journalism. Well, you must be pretty fearless um, or fearful, I should say. You must be pretty fearful if you're not willing to ask the basic questions of, um, how things come about and how power ends up where it is. Um, they're not always honest answers. Joe Biden get, didn't get the most votes in presidential history. Uh, he's not that strong a candidate. Um, he, it's not only that he's not that strong a candidate, he wasn't a candidate. 
He was a shadow candidate. He never showed up for anything. They had to go find him. Now, how does a man like that, who doesn't remember what he ate for breakfast yesterday, who refused to take a mental competency test before, and of course, Trump did, and he passed with flying colors, okay? How does he get 85, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 84 million votes. Yeah, because it just he got. Happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. He got more votes than the Messiah. Yeah. Really? It's really? It's, it's unlikely. And and as Donald Trump said, um, he needed uh, seven or eight million more votes to lock in his victory. He got twelve million more votes than he did in two thousand sixteen, and he still lost. I mean, right? Uh, no, 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 no. He didn't lose. Yo, well, no, and, I, and, I know. I mean, for for all intents we, or purpose, right? <laughs> I yeah, and and for your liberal um, listeners, if they're damn awesome. right, you can call me. Yeah, well, if they're smart, they might hate us, but they'll listen. Yeah, no, and, they don't and listen. For those, <laughs> well, for those few souls on the left who are smart enough to listen, yeah, go ahead, call me a denier. You guys have been calling. You guys have been deniers going back to the 2016 uh, presidential election and Hildebeest, she herself was so disgusted by the fact she had been beaten by, by George a Soros? corporatist. <laughs> did you see her the next day? It looks like she had been beaten about the face by George Soros. How did you lose, well, you dumb fuck? Yeah, I handed this to you. Yeah. All you had to do was show up. Yeah. How did you get that wrong? Yeah. But... You know, she was so disgusted. And again, we, we, we dodged the bullet once. We weren't able to dodge it a second time because it is Dominion voting machines, by the way. Um, anyway, um, but she didn't even have the class and the dignity to come downstairs and talk in front of the cameras to the American people and accept defeat. She wouldn't do that. She sent... John Podesta death to, to issue a non-congratulatory, uh, non-conciliatory address to Donald Trump. Yeah. So you know, for the last for the last six years, seven years now, I've had to listen to that beast. Tell us she never lost. Stacey Abrams isn't the only Democrat to say they didn't, they, they won. And so, why is it okay for one side to state an election was stolen or rigged, but not for the other side? It's the same reason why it's okay for the FBI to raid Mar a Lago and take the very papers they already knew were there and were under lock and key and by the way reinforced as per the request of the FBI but yet the schmuck this poor feeble old man that is occupying the oval office right now has top secret um, documents in what 
three or five houses throughout the Northeast that he or members of his family own. They, they can't even track down all, all, all the uh, documents that he had no right to when he was senator or vice president. Oh, yeah. He had no right to those. But yet, there they are. And the press doesn't think it's important. Yeah, no, and also his son Hunter had access to those documents, and his son Hunter also had a relationship with the head of Chinese intelligence. <laughs> Imagine that. You know, I, Imagine I, that. That is more of a security risk than a locked closet in Mar-a-Lago. Right. So my point is, this is why, David Korn, we really don't give two shits what you have to say. Yeah. Because you're nothing more than a mouthpiece for the far leftists that are trying to take over the country. They're not far from succeeding anymore, but they haven't done it yet. And so until you do what is right and fair, and that is report the good, the bad, and the ugly on people who represent your way of thinking and hold elected office, I really don't care what you have to say because right. you're nothing but a fucking mouthpiece for the left anyway. Yeah, indeed. And that's why nobody, right. That's why there is no Mother Jones publication anymore. It's just online because nobody wanted to spend the three bucks it cost to buy the piece of trash. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's the same you know, thing. If you can't do journalism, if you can't uh, acknowledge that the other person has a debatable point of view, I got into this with my brother about this and talked about um, the postmodern left's POV or point of view and my point of view or, or the people on the right's point of view, which is always met with hostility. Are you trying to tell me I can't, right. I can't have a conservative or libertarian uh, POV, that I can't have a conspiratorial POV, that I need to be a, not just attacked um, in a debate, uh, which could uh, certainly understandable, and I'm all for that. But to be met with hostility, because I got questions about Seth Rich, uh, Julian Assange, or the war in Ukraine, um, you know, or transgenderism for that matter, shouldn't be met with mm-hmm. hostility. You want to have a, a political, you want to have a political debate. Well, then let's talk about a political debate, or you want to debate current events. Let's do it, but as Mother Jones will prove to me by not publishing my comment um, on this article, Tucker Carlson's long con, um, you know, all they do, as you as you astutely put it, is that they're just a mouthpiece for uh, postmodern leftist demagoguery um, mm-hmm. and, and, no, and nothing else. Um, but we got to leave it there, Perry, cause I think we're at half an hour and my wife's going to be mad if, if I keep her up all, <laughs> all night long, but it's been a good discussion and, um, I hope we can get into it next week. I'm sorry for the folks who were for hanging out for last week, but we couldn't make the schedules jibe. Um, but we're going to try to avoid that next week and we got more to talk about. So thanks a lot, Perry. And it was great talking to you, my friend. Likewise, Rudy, it's always a pleasure. And uh, again, I am I am deeply regretful we weren't able to have it last week because there was a lot we could have talked about then, but we'll have even more to talk about next week. I saved all those articles on Ron DeSantis, so I'll bring them up next week. I'm, hey, I'm ready. 
Come on. I'm in the batter's box. Let's All right. go. All right. Will do. We'll see you next week. All right, my friend. Take see care. See you. There goes Perry. Episode 38, I think we, I believe. Is it 37, 38? Maybe it's 39. I think it's 39. So there we go. Uh, That's Perry's take on um, on his governor. He's still hoping for a Trump to save his ticket. Uh, I would love to see that. That would ensure victory. Um, I think the the right should coalesce uh, behind Trump, and, and people are trying, um, but you still have the uniparty Republicans standing in the way as much as the left is and people at Mother Jones. Um, and then, of course, we have the sad departure of Tucker Carlson. Um, so that was the only hour of regular TV I watched a day. So I'll be back online um, following the other people I follow. Um and the ingesting that type of media, but nobody else, uh, I'm not going to be watching too much of Fox News. I'm sure Laura Ingram is going to be even more tame than she already was. Uh, she did bring up some good stuff. I might peek in on her, but uh, I'm not a fan of Sean Hannity, even though he got rid of his lapel pins supported the CIA and FBI. Um, he's not my cup of tea. My wife likes him though. So we'll see. All right, that's it. Tuesdays with Perry. I'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you turning in, uh, tuning in uh, just to hear Perry, which we love to do, uh, I'll see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>